Hello friends, I want to welcome you to our latest podcast talk. This is Pastor Marco. Listen, uh, we love to have you come hang out with us live. If you've never been, if you live in the area, we have two services, Saturday 6 p.m. and Sunday 10 a.m. And if you have kids, we have incredible children's ministry for all ages. And don't forget to check out our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. We believe this message is going to encourage you, but also challenge you in your walk with God. begin by by first reading the verse that we've been looking at the last few weeks. Can you go ahead and put up that verse? We're going to read it together. Uh, this has been a theme for the last four or five weeks. And so let's let's declare it together out loud, church. You got to have faith. Listen, I don't like it when the church is subdued. We need to come up and be ready to have church together this morning. Okay. So, so let's say this together on three. Ready? One, two, three. For God has not given us a spirit of... And the church said, Amen. man, we never sounded more Catholic in our lives right here. That was, that was awesome. Peace be with you. That's all I know. I don't know the rest. But I'm glad we're here. Amen. But I, but I want to read to you today from Ephesians chapter 6. If you have your Bible, Ephesians 6, uh, verse 10 through 18 is going to be our focus this morning as we talk about how to overcome the lies of the enemy. Um, verse 10, it says, A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world. And against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground. Put on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from God, from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the, the, listen, to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Can you say amen? Amen. Well, we're going to do it together or not? Come on. Sometimes you got to have faith for the person next to you. Maybe they're going through a battle, so you got to be extra. You got to be extra for your, for your brother, for your sister, for your brother. I don't know what happened to me just now. Not today, Satan. Um. <laughs> but uh, what I want to do is... I have to I have to split this into two. So so this is like a two part to this to this message today. But I want to focus today on if you're taking notes, I want to focus on this the Bible says you gotta be aware of his strategies. I want to talk about the strategies and how to overcome. I want to give you three strategies of the enemy and how to overcome each one of them. I do believe that we're not meant to to kind of struggle with it. We're meant to thrive. We're meant to overcome. 
Okay. We're not men for good enough. We're men for greatness. Can you say amen? But before I go into this, I got to ask you a question, a very important question. How many New England Patriots fans do I have in the house? Okay, I'll follow up with this. How many of you secretly wish you were a New England Patriots fan? You in church, you can confess. You're allowed to confess because you ain't, you, you know, if you ain't us, you hate us. And I can see you right. You're tight. You're in church. You're still tight. I can see you. Like, it's still time. We can convert you. You can come to Jesus and become a Patriots fan in this place. It's okay. Right? You know God is a Patriots fan already. You already know. You already know. That's a lot. Okay? That's why some of y'all are struggling with your faith because you haven't surrendered. Whether you like football or not, you like winning. I mean, you like to win. I mean, you like to win. Right? If you don't like winning, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I got nothing else for you. If you don't like winning, I don't know. But whether you are a, a Patriots fan or not, a football fan or not, I hope you like to win. I hope you like to win in life. And, uh, and, and, and I just want you to think about this for a second, right? Coach Belichick or Tom Brady, which one is more crucial to the Patriots? I want you to take 20 seconds and have this debate with your neighbor. Even if you don't know football, have you heard of Coach Belichick? you heard of Tom Brady? Who do you think is the most important part of the winning? Come on, take 20 seconds. Talk to your neighbor real quick. I say your neighbor, not me, man. You're yelling at me. Why are you, why are you yelling at me? You guys figure it out yet? All right, all right, all right. So listen, I know that all the ladies went with Tom Brady. Am I right? All the ladies like Tom Brady. What? Uh, <laughs> but listen, here's what I believe, Okay. They, they both crucial to, you know, 15 years of just winning, okay? Because all we do is win. Um, but football is a strategy game, right? Football is a very strategy game. Like, it's hard to win if you don't have good strategy. And no one is better than Coach Belichick when it comes to strategy. It's a, it's a fact. This is a fact, okay? I know you got some haters in the house, but it's a fact. Even haters can have respect, Show some respect, people. <laughs> right. like, when it comes to strategy, no one prepares better. It's a fact. He's the best coach ever in the history of the NFL. Like, that's it. Hands down, the best coach ever. Right. Because it's about learning your opponent before you even step on the field. That's the power of, of football is that you really – have a week long to, 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 to mentally, physically, emotionally prepared for this game, right? And, and usually what happens is a coach prepares the team better than the other coach. Like Brady could be amazing, but without Belichick, 
I'm not sure if Brady would have the same success that he has because he has great coaching, right? It's about strategy, right? So the Bible says that you have an enemy, you have an opponent. And he says you got to be aware of his strategies, right? If you're not aware of his strategies, how is it that you're going to win the game? How is it that you're going you're gonna to be able to fight and have the confidence to win, right? The worst teams are the ones that just show up and never actually prepare, right? The worst thing we can do about life is get up every day and not have a strategy, right? Because when you don't have a strategy, you fall for just anything, right? That's the reality of life, you know? He who aims at nothing will hit it every single time, right? And so the, the Bible is clear. You do have an opponent, he has many names, right? Call him Satan. We call him the devil. Call him the serpent. Beelzebub. He has many names. He's got many minions with him, right? The thing that you have to understand is you don't have to fear the enemy. But at the same time, you, you shouldn't be naive of the enemy, right? C.S. Lewis said it this way. He says there's two extremes when it comes to the enemy. Some think he doesn't exist, which he would love for you to be in that category so he can do whatever he wants. And some put too much stock on him. You know, the other extreme is, is too much stock where everything is of the devil. You ever heard of the water boy theology? My mama said, my mama said, this is the devil. Football is of the devil. Like some people see the devil in everything. And those people scared me. You know, like people get up in the morning, they trip over something. Oh, the devil. It's like, yo, you tripped. Like, that ain't no devil. You know. Say, my electrical bill shut off. Not today. Well, go pay your bill. Because that wasn't the devil. Not, not, not today you. <laughs> I just want to clear some things out first. Because we got some Christians that over, over, overdo it. And I think Satan's going, man, I don't even do anything this time. Y'all are making me, you know, always late to work. You get fired. Not today. No, not today you. you. You went to work late. Hello, somebody. Talk to me. This morning, yeah, some things we bring up on ourselves, but we do have an enemy and we have to be aware of him and we have to be aware of his tactics because if not, then yes, you can come into your life and wreak havoc when he wants to and, and then we'll keep doing the same thing and expect different results and that's called insanity. So, so it's important to have, stra- it's important to know your opponent's strategy. You know, a boxer doesn't step in a ring until he studies his opponent. You know, usually a boxing match, they, they schedule it six months in advance for a reason, for them to get trained and be ready because every opponent is different, right? You don't face Mike Tyson the same way you face Floyd Mayweather, right? Mike Tyson is, is one category. Floyd is a whole other category of boxing. And so you have to know what you're dealing with. Are you following so far? Right? So there are strategies. I want to show you three of them and how to overcome each one. I guarantee you he's using one of them in your life right now. I, I, I know for a fact. Okay, 150% that he is using one of these tactics in your life right now. And some of you, all you're doing is calling life, but there is a warfare. Okay, and a lot of times, did you notice this? We don't fight flesh and blood. Sometimes you're fighting the wrong people. Right? What's the worst thing about war? It's friendly fire. War is terrible, but friendly fire makes it even worse. Friendly fire is when you aim and you shoot your own person on your team. Because sometimes things get really foggy and, and weird. You're not sure where you're aiming at. So today I pray that the Lord can lift the veil from the fog for us to see clearly. We do have an enemy, but it's not the person next to you. 
And it's not your boss. You keep calling your boss Satan, but maybe, maybe he's, not, he's not the problem. You know, if, you, if you don't aim right, you will fight against your wife. You will fight your kids. You will fight your church. You'll fight your community. You hear people all the time, New Bedford, just like, yeah, but the enemy maybe got you shooting at the wrong things. Maybe it's not a city that's a problem. Maybe there's spirits in the city that's a problem. You have to fight those things, not the city itself. The city could be a blessing if the right people are in it, pushing it forward. So strategies is important. So number one, if you're, pay, if you're, if you're taking notes, I hope you are. The, the number one strategy, again, these are not in order. I'm just, I'm just giving you three of them. I like to call number one is, 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 is what I like to call shock and awe. Okay, the number one is shock and awe. Now, what does this mean? I don't know if you remember, when we went to war with Iraq, President Bush ordered a very destructive attack, and he called it shock and awe. He said the, the goal was to neutralize the enemy with tons of bombing, focusing on their communication, cut off all their support so they would be basically neutralized and feel like we're done. We can't move. Spiritually speaking, I believe that's what the enemy does a lot of times. He wants to overwhelm you to the point that you feel like you're paralyzed, you can't move, things are not going your way, and, and, you, and you feel like, man, it's going from bad to worse. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's just things feel like they're going from bad to worse. You can't seem to catch a break. He's trying to shock your system to the point of paralyzing you and to the point of making you quit. I don't know what I'm talking to this morning, but I'm here to tell you the devil is a liar. That's just another trick that he tries to come to bring your way. So, of course, the question is, so what do we do in those moments where life seems to be overwhelming, where one thing leads to another thing, next thing you know, you're getting a flat tire on top of a bad doctor visit, and, and kids are wilding out. All this stuff seems to be happening all at once. Recognize it that this is a strategy of the enemy to paralyze you, to overwhelm you, right? So what do you do in those moments? Well, first of all, I want to tell you what not to do. Okay. You hear? You ready? It's easier said than done. But first thing you, you, you got to try not to do is not to get too emotional. When you get too emotional, you don't make good decisions. You make terrible choices when you're over-emotional. The second thing you don't want to do is go rant on Facebook about how life is terrible and horrible and nothing is going well and you don't understand and nobody understands. Because what you're doing without realizing it, you're actually giving it power. Because, because what happens? Who usually responds? More emotional people, more negative people, more satanic people. Like, there's, those are the people that respond, and we're thinking that we're getting strength from that. We're not. We're giving strength to those things in the process, right? So I tell you what to do. I tell you what the scripture tells you we should do. I, I'll give you an example. When the Egyptians were coming against the Israelites, and they were cornered. This was a shocking moment where they're like, where are we going to go? What is going to happen? And they began to do exactly what we said not to do. They got emotional. They said, Moses, how can you bring us here to die? They were slaves on their way to the promised land. But because they, they faced the shocking moment, they begin to get fearful. Their knees begin to buckle, and they begin to say things they don't mean. Be careful in those moments to open your mouth. 
Right? Here's what scriptures actually says we should do in those moments. The, here's what God told them. He tells us today. He said this, look, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Just stay calm. It sounds the most counterproductive thing you can do when a lot of things are happening. The most productive thing you can actually do is do nothing. You didn't expect that. Stop getting on the phone. Stop doing this. Stop doing that. No, no, no. The Bible says be still and know that he is God. And if he's your God, he's going to come through and fight your battles. Fight the urge to not go crazy and give more power to the attack. He said, he will fight for you. It's amazing to me when we are still how God just clears the air. It's, like, it's when you stop and you try and you stop trying to wrestle this thing in your own strength and power that the enemy doesn't know what else to do with you. Because why? If he keeps throwing things at you and you don't react, then what's he going to do? Our response is so critical to every situation we find ourselves in, right? Our first, rea- our first instinct is to react, right? That's the natural instinct. That's the fear instinct, right? That's the, that's the, that's the self, right? But there is a supernatural side of you, the soul side of you, that is filled with the spirit of God. And the spirit of God tells you, you're not a, I don't, I'm not a spirit of fear. I'm a spirit of power, love, but also self-discipline. Be self-disciplined enough to wait for the deliverance of the Lord to come through. And then those are the moments you need to stop and say, wait a minute, hasn't God been faithful in the past? Won't he be faithful again? Won't he make a way where there seems to be no way? He's done it before. He will do it again. It's the same God. It's the same Jesus. It's the same Holy Spirit who has been with me and he's the same one that I'm going to wait and trust to see this deliverance. Trust him, he said. Stay calm. Tell your neighbors, chill. Chill. I I think chill has become a spiritual gift. I'm serious because we live in a, we live in an alarming society. No one chills anymore. Everybody wilds out. Right? And and, and we thinking it's a compliment. You, You, you don't want to mess with Jimmy, man. He's crazy. Like, why is that a compliment that Jimmy always wears out? Oh, Jimmy, man, you don't want to cross him. Like, wait, what? Jimmy's an idiot. There's a Jimmy in the room. My bad. I got to start finding out. Muhammad is an idiot. No, that's politically incorrect. My bad. Everybody gets offended nowadays, you know. You have to stay calm and watch the Lord deliver you. Now, church, to see the Lord deliver you, you got to walk with the Lord. If you don't walk with the Lord, then you have no reports of how the Lord has delivered you. Right? So this thing is not a Sunday morning thing. This is a lifestyle thing where I walk with the Lord. I know he delivers. I know he comes through. I know he makes a way where there seems to be no way. I got to walk with him to be able to be confident enough to stay calm and know, wait a minute, I know my God. When I know my God, I can remain calm when shocking us seems to be happening. Can you say amen? See, that's the obvious one. But the next two are not so obvious. Because see, the enemy, we don't fear him. But, he, but he's, a, he's a clever opponent. Okay? He's a very clever opponent. And so he knows how to work on the extremes of humanity. He knows that shock and awe could be 
paralyzing to some people. But then the other two, he knows how to be subtle. Are you ready? This might, this might mess you up. But the second one that he uses, it's a very subtle. It's like the, the, the opposite extreme of shock and awe. You know what it is? You ready for this? It's boredom. Boredom is a tactic. Can I prove it to you? The enemy will love to neutralize you by making you feel like the mundane has no meaning. Oh my God, that's so good. That is so good. I'm going to preach to myself. The enemy will neutralize you by bore you to death. He wants to lure you to sleep. Mike Tyson is shocking off. Floyd Mayweather will bore you till he beat you. If you know what I'm talking about. Floyd Mayweather is not looking to knock you out in the first round. Floyd Mayweather is looking to bore you into the sixth, seven, eight round. By the time you're done and, and, and the judges tell you the score, you lost. Are you following? Boredom is a weapon. Can I prove it to you? How the enemy uses boredom as a weapon. Listen. His goal is to make you extremely comfortable to the point that you don't even know why you shouldn't even be feeling comfortable in the first place. Oh, man. Y'all didn't come to church today. Don't you know that comfort could become your worst enemy? How do I know? Because the most comfortable people in the world don't pursue anything worth pursuing. When was the last time you accomplished something amazing because you were sitting in your lazy boy, flipping through channels that you don't care about? Why does he give you 200 channels but only two of them matter? I'm not saying the cable company is satanic. <laughs> I'm saying there's a, there is a strategy there to numb you. To numb you out of life. To numb you out of purpose. Pay attention. Pay attention during the week where you have a tough day at work. And all you want to do is do nothing. And there's nothing wrong with that. But when, when that becomes a lifestyle... I'm pretty sure the enemy has you exactly where he wants you. I'm pretty sure that every day you go at home after your 9 to 5, all you want to do is numb the mind by watching TV and sipping on some wine and just relax and watch, and watch your mind become less and less in tune with the will of God, less and less in tune with the spirit of God. And when the attacks come, you won't even recognize it. Why? Because he lured you to sleep. Oh, you ain't going to say nothing today. What do you think the battle is? It's in your mind. 90% of what you do, you do it before you even did it. And 90% of the things you don't do, you didn't do it because you didn't do it up here. Right? The battlefield is in your mind. Netflix and chill has become one of his greatest strategy. If he can get you to binge watch 10, 20 hours of meaningless TV shows, that's 20, 30 hours wasted in eternity that you will never get back. 
I'm not against watching shows. I'm, I'm, I love shows, man. I, I use, you, you hear my illustrations. I use them all the time. But here's the thing is, if you're not watching shows with the perspective of someone who's in tune with the spirit of God and trying to dissect something that God is trying to do, even through shows, if you're not putting your spiritual eyes on, you will fall for the lies of the enemy that will keep you, make you feel comfortable and keep making you pursue another show and another show, another glass of wine, another glass of wine, another glass of wine. And next thing you know, you justify it and you think it's normal. And what do we do with those moments? We justify drinking as opposed to justifying purpose. We side with the wrong person. Anytime you're siding with comfort versus purpose, you lost. You lost. Anytime you hear the voice that tells you there's six outreaches coming and you can be part of one of them, but every voice tells you, yeah, but you had a rough week. You should just settle down. You should settle down. You should settle down. You should settle down. You should settle down. By the time you look at your life, you'll be 40, 50. You settled. You settled. You look back, you're like, I got nothing to show for it. We become masters in statistics of Brady. But we have no statistics of faith to show for ourselves. It's amazing to me. Some people know everything about Brady. know nothing about Jesus. Brady's not coming to save you. His job is to entertain you. But entertainment can become a God. If you don't have any purpose. Church, pay attention. He doesn't come in and say, I'm here to ruin your life. If he did, we would all run the other way. He says, no, I'm here to make your life as comfortable as possible so you have no purpose in it, so you have no drive in it. Ask yourself the simple question. Simple question. What is the driving force of your life? If it's comfort, he's got you. If the driving force of your life is to do absolutely nothing, he doesn't have to do anything else. He already won. But, but what does the Bible say, church? It's not what my flesh says. I don't care what society says. I'm after the will of God. I'm after the purpose of God. I'm after the heart of God. I'm after the mind of God. I don't care what you say. You can argue with me all day long. Listen, some of y'all, all you heard was I said drink or don't drink. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something higher than that. I'm talking about having purpose in life, meaning, and passion, and something to strive for. There's got to be more than just drinking and watching TV. We get so hung up on the small things. Because we are siding with the wrong voice. That's not the point. If all you heard was that, you lost it. Because that's what religion would do. Yeah, let's focus on what we do, what we don't do. What we do, what we don't do. We're robots in the spirit. Oh, look at us. We're amazing. That's not it. That's not what I'm talking about. Some churches do that. That's not what I'm talking about here. Hey, if you want to drink, man, drink. But I hope you have purpose. Because when I know this, when I drink, my mind is numb. There's no purpose there. There's no purpose there. Hey, so I'm not talking about that. Hey, this is what I'm talking about right here. The Bible says this. Look, don't copy the behavior and customers of the world. What is the behavior and custom of the world? It's all selfishness. Hasn't the world taught us anything? Do you, boo-boo? 
What does the world say? Don't get out of your comfort zone. Don't do anything worth doing. Don't live by faith. Live by comfort. Do whatever is easy. Don't go to work and be the best worker. Just do the average. Don't go to school and excel. Just be average. It's easy to know the world. Don't be a follower of Jesus. Just go to church. That's the behavior of the world. Right? But he said, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Because the battle is in your mind. Then, only then, you will know, you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. That's why he wants to lure you to sleep. So you don't never know what God's will for you is, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Listen, God's got a purpose for your life. He's got a plan for your life. But you're ne- never going to achieve it by pursuing the God of comfort and the God of entertainment. I believe this. Everything is spiritual. Even your entertainment can have purpose to it. I, I, I don't know about you. I try to watch things that are actually going to edify my life. I don't care what it is. It could be comedy. It could be action. Whatever it is, I always find the angle of what can I learn here? Because my mind is too important for me to just keep dumping trash upon trash. My mind is too important to listen to any type of music just because it sounds good, just because it's hip, just because it's cool, just because it's, you know, it's the latest thing. Listen, I don't know about you, but every song has a message to it. And I want to make sure I'm listening to the messages that God has for my mind. You must feed your mind daily. If you don't feed it, it's already fed. Oh, you didn't get that. It's already fed. You're eating every day. Question is, are you counting your calories? Not in the physical, but in the spiritual. The enemy is so clever, man. He's made us focus all on the physical. Every other day. Look at my transformation. Transformation Tuesday. Wait Wednesday. Thin Thursday. Fit Friday. Which is great. Nothing wrong with that. But how's your soul? How's your mind? Because you could be physically fit and be spiritually out of shape. You couldn't tell the devil if he came and punched you in the face. Because he's got you covered. Church, wake up. Don't you know your mind and your spirit is way more important than your physical? I prayed with someone today and they die in bed. But I knew I wasn't praying to the, to the physical. I was praying to the spirit. And I know she could hear me in the spirit. That God is faithful. Your soul will rise and go to heaven. Your physical will stay. Pay attention. Stop being shallow. Yes, get your workout on. But make, make sure your mind is worked out too. Make sure your soul is getting a workout. Because what's the point, the Bible says, to be physically fit, but spiritually out of shape? I pray we, we grow in both because you need, you need your body for your spirit to be well. Right? But we live in extremes. It's either all physical or all this. Right? But he says, no, renew your mind to know God's will. Church, listen to me. Detox your mind. There's a lot of pollutions. Every single day, you're being bombarded with garbage. 
And it's so normal that we don't even recognize garbage anymore. Have you ever heard of the illustration of the frog in the pan? You put a frog in, a, in, a, in, in, in water, you know, and, and, and you, just, you just crank up the heat a little bit and just leave it there. The frog won't even know what's happening to him. Why? Because he becomes desensitized to it. That's what I see every day. We've become desensitized to violence. We've become desensitized to how we talk. I hear Christians cursing all the time. Not realizing you're cursing yourself. We become desensitized to what we entertain us. Some of the stuff that's entertaining us, God will be appalled. Right? Why? Because our minds are not good or bad. It's what you condition it to. Our mind's supposed to be sharp. He said, love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. Love God with your mind. Do you feed your mind the word of God? And I don't mean cute Facebook posts. I mean like, do you carve out time? Just like you carve out time for the entertainment. Do you carve out time to say, God, this is my time between you and I. I'm going to feed my mind. I'm going to feed my heart. I'm going to feed my spirit. I need you to, to, to download your will and your purpose in my life. I don't want to go through life motionless. I don't want to go through life desensitized. I want to be acute to your word and to your truth and what you have for me. Church, I don't know if you understand, but the goal of Christianity is to become holy. We can't tell Christians apart from the world anymore. We can't tell who's who. We say the same things. We go to the same things. We sleep with the same people. We talk the same way. We do the same exact stuff. And we're talking about worshiping God. We're not worshiping God. We're worshiping ourselves. Come up in here. God bless. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But you're, 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 you're hooked to porn. Come on, talk to me. I'm your pastor. I'm here to love you. Who who are we kidding? It's not about a performance. It's a lifestyle. It's living every day in the will of God, in the purpose of God, and living free and knowing that I am who I am by the grace of God. I don't have to put on a show. I don't have to try to front in front of you. I know my God, and I know why I worship. I know why I praise. I know why I go to church. I know why I serve. I know who I am, and who I am is more important than who you think I am. I don't care about the world. I don't care what the world is doing. I want to do what God says. I should do. That's what I care about. Challenge yourself, church. Challenge yourself. We live in a world that no one challenges anybody anymore. Challenge yourself to be better. You know, it's good to have accountability partners, but can I tell you, your best accountability partner is yourself. I don't know about you, but once in a while I look in the mirror and I say to myself, are we good? You ever done that? It's a great exercise. Are we good? Are we being who we said we're going to be? Are we accomplishing the things we said we're going to accomplish? Because you can't lie to you. It might be in the man of God where no one else is watching. It might be in the woman of God in my workplace where everybody gossips, but I don't have to be part of it. Am I being who God called me to be? Do I post things that honor God? Or am I trying to be cute? Do I want to be liked or do I want to be holy? What is my purpose? 
I got to have more purpose than just Sunday morning. Can you say amen? You got to challenge yourself spiritually. Step out in faith once in a while. When was the last time you did something that was actually faith? That you were like, God, if you don't, uh. Or is it every, like, if, if the last six months of your life is predictable, maybe you're listening to the wrong voice. I believe in God of the mundane. I believe in God of Mondays. I believe in God of Tuesdays. I tell the youth all the time, the worst type of Christianity is the Christianity is always waiting for the next big thing. Because things are happening every single day. If I'm not paying attention, I'm being drifted away from God or I'm being pulled to God. That's a choice. If I don't renew my mind daily. Every day you got to have this conviction. I have to feed my mind something worth feeding. You may not even read the Bible every day, but can you listen to a podcast that's going to renew your mind? Can you, can you read a blog that's going to help you be a better parent? Right? Can I have a conversation with someone that's going to make us go deeper? Because I don't know about you. I love the Patriots, but man, I love Jesus better. I love Jesus so much more. I'm going to give you one more. This one will mess you up if I haven't already. But you got to recognize the enemy. The third one. You ready for this one? The third one is familiarity. Familiarity is a weapon. They say familiarity breeds contempt. Well, according to the Bible, familiarity will make you lose God's will. Can I prove it to you? All I do is preach the Bible, whether you like it or not. Jesus goes back to his hometown. He's traveling, preaching, teaching. And he decides to go back to where he grew up to preach there. And look what happened because of familiarity. Watch this. Look. He returned to Nazareth, his hometown, when he thought, when he thought there in synagogue, everyone was amazed and said, where does, this, where does he get this wisdom and the power to do miracles? Then they scoffed. <laughs> He's just a carpenter's son. And we don't marry his mother. And his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. All his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all these things? Who does he think he is? Watch this. They were deeply offended and refused to believe him. Then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown and among his own family. And so he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. There could have been a revival in Nazareth, but they didn't get a revival because they were too familiar with Jesus. Did you know that the enemy would love for you to become too familiar with church where you don't actually get a breakthrough? You can get religion, but not get a relationship. You can get, you can get listen, a brownie point, but you won't get an actual breakthrough because you didn't pursue Jesus for who he is because you just came to church and didn't actually activate your faith. Isn't it interesting you could, you could be in the middle of, of something powerful and some people are going, <laughs> look at those guys. <laughs> Not realizing, idiot, you're siding with the enemy. Some of you walk in here, you go, ah, look at those guys raising their hands. The enemy's like, yep, got you exactly where I have you, exactly where I want you. Go ahead, go ahead, make fun. Go ahead, go ahead, be a scoffer. Go ahead, go ahead, you wise one. Go ahead, go ahead. I'll keep dragging you to hell. Oh, you don't know hell is real? How can heaven be real but hell not? 
Because he would love to, for you to believe in that theology too. The buffet theology. I'll pick this, but I don't like that. I'll pick this, but I don't like that. You know, give me all the scriptures that says God will bless me, but don't give me the scriptures that says I have to obey to be blessed. <laughs> oh. Too familiar. Can I tell you something? I'm just a mere man. Mere man with the same struggles that you have. But for some reason, you said, I want you to preach the gospel. Right? So you got to make up your mind. That's a mere man, but is the gospel still true? Is what I'm saying the word of God, or is it just a mere man speaking? That's up to you and to discern the voices that tell you, that. that's just Pastor Marco again. He's just trying to be rowdy. He's just trying to be cute. He's just trying to be that. But the word of God says, are you paying attention to what God is trying to speak to you, trying to fuse you into your life? You know? Have you noticed something? It's the know-it-alls that never get a breakthrough. Isn't that interesting? It's the ones that already know the Bible. Like the Pharisees. They knew the Bible, but didn't know Jesus. Right? It's the one that tells you, oh, I already know that. It's like, oh, good luck. The enemy's got you exactly where he wants you. Because the Bible says he confounds the wise. But he uses the full of the things of this world to reach those who are hungry and thirsty for more. Be careful that familiarity is not being turned on you. You go home. You've been married for a few years. You become too familiar with your wife or with your husband. And you begin to take them for granted. Next thing you know, there's a chasm happening between you two. Why? Not because something crazy happened. Not extramarital affairs and all that. No, it's just familiarity. You need to break that spirit off of your house and say, no, no, no. I married you for a reason. I loved you for a reason. We're going to rekindle our spirit. We're going to rekindle our romance. We're going to love each other no matter what happens. Baby's born. Goo goo, guy, guy, so awesome. But then, you know, a few months later, they won't let you sleep. And the very thing you prayed for becomes a burden because you become familiar with the thing that God has blessed you with. The church that used to be so excited about telling everybody about Jesus, I can't wait to come back. But the moment someone offended you, all the familiarity, everything else matters more than the fact that this is where God has used to save you, to help you, to rescue you, to heal you, to forgive you. But all of a sudden, one little thing is way more important than all the 1,000 blessings you received. Isn't that incredible the enemy works? We take for granted the very things. Like All of a sudden, isn't it interesting that when life gets really hard, what do we, what do we say has got to go? I got to stop serving because, you know, I need time for myself. Isn't it interesting that if we look at your schedule Monday through Friday, what do you do on Monday nights? Uh, bowling. What do you do on Tuesday nights? Well, that's my knitting club. What do you do on Wednesday night? Well, that's the day that, you know, I get my spa. You know, what do you do on Thursday nights? It's amazing how busy we get doing absolutely nothing. But serving God's got to go. Are we discerning the voices? Are we discerning? Or are we just going with it? Because he will use familiar voices. He doesn't come and say, I'm here to ruin your life. He says, you know what? You've done too much. Why don't you sit down? Relax. David, you've conquered so much. You deserve to sit down, relax. Matter of fact, go on the porch, kick it. Let, let your minions go this day. You've gone enough. Go on the porch, take it in, take the breath in. David goes up on the porch. Oh, he's tired. Yeah, he's tired. All of a sudden, you're tired. You know, I deserve more. Yeah, you know what? You actually deserve her. 
She's not your wife, but man, she looks good. You're the king. You can do whatever you want. Oh, I guess I'll slide her a DM. Everybody talks about David defeating Goliath, but David was defeated by lust. Here's the part of David's life no one likes to talk about. The last 15 years of David's life was miserable because of one decision. He became too familiar. The Bible says in the time he was supposed to go to war, he decided, I'm chilling. One moment cost him his legacy. Go read it for yourself. He says it. Most miserable moments of my life started the moment I wasn't on mission. I'm not making this stuff up. The enemy would love for you to live a meaningless life with nothing to leave behind because we're too familiar. Familiar voices. Can I show it to you? Peter was one of Jesus' closest disciples. Peter. You know Peter? Loudmouth Peter. The closest disciple of Jesus. Jesus was saying to them, hey, this is the last time I'm going to be with you. I'm going to fulfill my mission. What does Peter say? Peter, the one who loves Jesus, says, you can't do that. He meant well. But you know, you can mean well and miss God. Did you know that? C.S. Lewis says this, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Everybody has good intentions. Have you noticed when someone dies? Oh, that was such a good person. Doesn't matter what they did. Automatically, boom, good person. But look what Jesus says to Peter. This blows my mind. Read your Bibles. Look, he said, Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. That's his version of saying, not today, Satan. You are a dangerous strap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. If you don't discern the voices, the enemy will use familiar voices. Familiar voices. You don't need to be all that into church. Why are you tithing for? Didn't you serve enough? Your mom was an amazing Christian. Shouldn't that count for something? They offended you. You should never go back. Come on back to us, man. You know what we're doing tonight? We're kicking it. Like the old days. Yo, we got... It's going to be off the chains tonight. Come on, man. You need to relax. You've been tense lately. Why don't you come through the house? Smoke some weed. Take the tension off. Don't you know God created plants? Are we discerning? Are we discerning? Slide that DM. She looked good. Husband just left her. Go read your Bible. Proverbs says the moment you do that, your, your, your feet are already halfway to hell. You're halfway there. Are we, are we, are we listening? He's not going to bring someone unfamiliar. It's someone very close to you. 
who's not discerning the will of God, who will get you away from God's will with good intentions. He's a good guy. I mean, you do love him, right? He does love you, right? Yeah, but where's the commitment? Where, where is the, where's the God's blessing on this thing? Where, where, where's God's approval on this thing? Where, where's God's righteousness on this thing? I mean, you went to church the last three weeks. What's, what's, what's one week? What's one week? Nothing. Except that one week leads to two. Two leads to three. What's one drink when it leads to two? And two leads to three. And three leads to four. And now we're asking, what did I do yesterday? It's familiarity. It's familiarity. They will say amen, but your heart is far from God. Church, are we paying attention? See, I, 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 I don't subscribe to each in your ears. Do you know what that means? The Bible says there come a days where people will just flock to people that will tell them exactly what they want to hear. I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you what you need to hear and what I need to hear so we can grow and be who God calls us to be. Learn to discern the voices. Familiarity will rob you of your blessings. We have a thing in our office, all the pastors. Pastor Jordan, I've been, I'm known him since 15. He became a pastor under my ministry. You know, I never call him Jordan. I call him Pastor Jordan. Why? Because you don't want to become too familiar with the position that God has given him. I want to always honor him as the man that God called him to be. It's not about titles. It's about respect. It's about honor. Honor opens doors. Disrespect closes doors. Why do we work in teams? Because we got to honor each other. I honor every person that, that puts their hands to the plow. So when someone comes in, oh, who do you think you are? It's like, wait, can you show some honor and respect first? Because then we can go somewhere. Because the enemy will love chaos. That's what he's doing in the world. If you, if you notice, can I get deeper here? Not my president. Is it about Trump or is it about the position? Because if I can't honor who someone put in position, then God's saying, I, I have no hands on that. God says, I put people in authority, whether you agree with it or not, whether they're doing their part or not, they're responsible to God. And just like you're responsible to God, one day you're going to answer to God. So when you say, not my president, you're contributing to anarchy and chaos. And God is a God of structure and order. So be careful who you're siding with. The enemy got so familiar with heaven, he got kicked out of it. Did you know the enemy started up there? But he says, I'm going to be greater than. That's why he got kicked out. Become so familiar with the blessings of God that we take it for granted. That's not the will of God. You know, my biggest fear in life, can I share with you, is to become average. That's why I never take a week off from praying, from studying, from seeking God. 
Not because of you, but because I don't want to become average. I don't want to become the guy that came to church and all of a sudden became familiar with church and, and then started yawning and worship, didn't have any life in them. No, no, no. I want to approach this thing fresh every single week. God, give me a fresh touch, a fresh revelation, fresh fire, a fresh anointing. I want to know you. I want to live my life in the fullest of your will. No matter who comes to church or don't come to church, I'm here to worship you, to bless you, to praise you, to honor you, to serve you and to lift up your voice and lift up your name above every other name. I don't care who says it, who doesn't say it. I am here for you, God. I'm here to bless you, Lord. I'm here to serve you above all things. Let, let me end here. Guys, you can come up. Listen, if, you, if you're serious about not letting the enemy run your life, take note. You must be intentional. About your walk with him. You don't let feelings dictate your walk with God. You don't walk by feelings. You walk by faith. You must become intentional. You must learn to show honor and respect to those he put in position. Tomorrow when you go to work. You don't like your boss. Honor him on principle. And watch God bless your life. The worst thing we've done. We, we made a whole generation hate cops. There's bad cops, yes. But man, what would we do without cops? So we, we teach them to do something that the enemy does. The enemy rebel against God. And now we're teaching young people to rebel against authority. Now, don't get me wrong. We have some work to do. In a couple of weeks, we invite our police officers to come. Every single kid is writing a card for a, a personal card to every police officer in this city. Because we want to say with them, we're with you. give you some practical things as we end. Listen. Learn to spice up your spiritual walk. God is a creative God. Don't approach him the same way every day. If your prayer life is stale, learn to listen instead of talking. You want to go deeper with God? Then approach him like he's there with you. You've been walking with him for a while. You've been reading your Bible, but you're not getting anything out of it. Well, change your Bible translation. Get a fresh pair of eyes to see the word. Some of you, you've been coming for so long, but you haven't put your hands to the plow. Your life is not going to go to another level until you start serving people. If all you want is to be served, the enemy's got you exactly where he wants you. It's about stepping out in faith. It's about seeing the will of God when you actually step out. You got to spice up your prayer walk. Go for walks and talk with God. When you feel that emotional impulse to go on Facebook, get on your knees and get on his face. Seek him and watch him come. Listen to different podcasts. Change the familiarity of the voices. Ask him, give me eyes to see you in people. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Give me a perspective that's bigger than myself. And give me the strength to walk out in faith when I need to. Talk less in prayer, listen more. 
You don't have to always bring your laundry mat to God. Bring your praise to God. Bring your worship to him. And watch him download things in your life. Watch him wash over you and cleanse you and bless you and restore you. Don't come to church because it's Sunday. Come to church because you came to experience God and his will and his purpose for your life. Understand this. Two people can come to church. One person can leave blessed. The other person can leave the same. Same room, same God, same spirit. It's about your expectations. Do I expect God to move today? Do I expect to see miracles today? Because faith and expectation, they go hand in hand. It's amazing the coincidence you begin to see when you actually have expectations. It's so much easier to be religious. Because it takes absolutely nothing to be religious. All you got to do is show up and play quarterback. Ah, that song, (laughs) I mean, it was all right. I mean, that, I mean, he was good until he said that. It's the know-it-alls that always miss it. There's only one quarterback. He already run the game. And he shows us how to live. And if the main quarterback serves people, who do I think I am? If the main quarterback didn't let anybody get in the way, why should I? Come on, stay with me. I want to pray for you this morning. Come on, are you paying attention today? The Bible says he who has an ear, let him hear. Did you hear God's voice today? All you heard was a mere African preacher trying to speak English. I don't want to become familiar to the point of being neutralized. The enemy wants to clip your wings. This might be offensive, but he wants to neuter some of us. I'm serious. In a society where everybody everybody gets offended, guess what he's doing? He's clipping away. Let me take your convictions away. Let me take your passion away. Let me take your drive away. Let me take all the stuff that God wants to bless you away. So like that, you can become average like everybody else. Look, I haven't even prayed. People already started walking out. Who's winning? Who's winning? Who's winning? Who's winning? Tell me, who's winning? Who's winning? Funny thing is, we're in a rush to go nowhere. Like, where are we actually going? Like, where? Are we actually going that we're such in a hurry? That we're so itching, we can't wait. Say amen so I can go home and worship the patriots. Come on, church. Listen, I'm liberated from that stuff. You don't come back, that's on you. But I'm here to worship Jesus and Jesus alone. I want to thank you for listening today. And I want to encourage you to share this with someone who needs to hear about the love of God. And uh, hope to see you soon.